I'm Amanda Leitner, and welcome to Rochester Rising, where we amplify the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 180 of the podcast today. So today we get to talk with entrepreneur and small business owner, Danny Trester. She is the owner of Trester Taylor, which is a tailor shop that's located on Broadway that does a range of alterations on men's and women's clothing. This three-year-old business opened up its store in Rochester on January 2nd, 2017. So today on the podcast, we talk with Danny about lessons learned over the past three years of operating her own business, how she originally got into the tailoring industry, and how her business has adapted during the COVID-19 pandemic. Also on the podcast, we talk with Danny about a brand new video tutorial series that she put out called Tailor It Yourself. This has been the culmination of seven months of work that she used the, the shutdown during the coronavirus pandemic to finish and put out. And this is a way for her to share tailoring information uh, with the community and to form another stream of income. So we chat on the podcast today about the series as well and what it felt like to create that and put it out into the community. So we also had Danny on the podcast back on episode 112 talking about Ritz Crafters, which is an indie craft show that she brought to and created in Rochester. So you can check that out as well when we sat down with Danny last year uh, to talk about this craft show. So stay tuned for the show today where we get to hear Danny's story. Just a reminder that Rochester Rising is the storytelling arm of Collider, which is the 501c3 nonprofit based in Rochester, Minnesota, that supports Rochester entrepreneurs through events, education, space, and storytelling. We put out a new podcast every Wednesday. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and you can also find us on our website at rochesterrising.org and also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, so now on to the podcast today with Danny and Trester Taylor. Well, thanks, Danny, for being on the virtual podcast today. I guess it's virtual <laughs> via Zoom. I didn't mean to say virtual, but I feel like that just automatically like creeps into everything these days. <laughs> yeah, it gets the job done. It does. It's all encompassing. But yeah, you do quite a lot, have a lot of hats that you um, wear. But yeah, thanks so much for doing this today. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate the time. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you kind of what is your backstory and how did you originally get interested in tailoring? Well, um, I went to school for textile and apparel design at uh, UW-Madison. Um, and while I was in the program there, I started working for a tailor in Madison um, and it's, it's pretty tricky to get a job in the textile industry, unless you live in New York or LA or one of those bigger cities that have a lot of those jobs. I mean, you could also go work at Target, but that's specifically more apparel. Um, so I was more focused on the textile aspect of it. Um, so I kind of wanted to stay local, stay around in Madison. And, um, when I graduated from school, I stayed working as a tailor. Um, and worked for that business for about eight and a half years, and it kind of just stuck with me. After I left Madison, I got a different job as a pattern maker for a shoe company, and then I was there for over a year and a half, um, and then I moved to Rochester, and again, another sort of situation where there wasn't a lot of opportunities to use my specific degree um, in Rochester, and 
starting my own tailoring shop was something that I thought about for a long time. So I figured, why not now? So it's been over three years now that I've had my shop here. And um, yeah, it's been really great. <laughs> so what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, tailoring runs in your family. Is that correct? I guess so. It's like a very long gap in between. <laughs> uh, but the first generation of Germans um, from our family, from Germany, uh, came to Sheboygan, my hometown of Wisconsin, um, and they were tailors, specifically cutters. There's a lot of different aspects to tailoring, but they were um, considered master cutters, which you know is what it sounds like. They cut things out, but there's a very um, specific and important skill set involved in that. Um, but yeah, they had their own tailoring shop and retail space in downtown Sheboygan, and there's some artifacts in the shop here that I have from the original Trester Taylor. Um, but there are, there's an element to sewing and creating um, that expands in my family. And my grandma is very much into quilting and crocheting and making things. And she altered my sister's wedding dress. And I don't know if it stems from that German mentality of being resourceful and just being able to do things on your own. But um yeah, it's fun to have that history still carried through the family, and uh, it, it gives it, you know, tailoring is an old school profession in itself, and the fact that we have that history going that far back, it makes it feel even more old school, which makes it cooler for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's super cool. It's like skill sets you grew up, you know, around, and just kind of continuing that on uh, with what you're doing. Yeah, I feel I feel lucky to have had that very specific education and um, offer a service in a niche market that, you know, there's still a fair amount of people out there that do it, um, but they're kind of old school. They don't advertise online or it's all word of mouth. So I feel like I have an, an advantage with being a younger person that I can um, have the skill set and be connected to some of those people, but also the advantage of technology to market when, uh, you know, it's probably one of the more expensive things in business is advertising. So if you can do it yourself, that's great. <laughs> right. Yep. If you could do it yourself, that's great. Uh, sometimes it's worth, you know, paying the experts if you have that. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Knowing how to delegate is really important. And I'm starting to learn that too. But I say that now when I took on this huge video project, <laughs> I should have maybe delegated some of that. But yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those fine lines when running your own business. It's like, when is it worth your time? And when is it worth like letting somebody who, you know, it's fun to figure things out, but you know, you're, you know, <laughs> it's all a limitation of your time and the money that your time costs to figure those things out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get a lot of people that ask me about custom work and I just I said, I could do it, but the, some of those things are just so time consuming. I just, I can't, I can't, I won't. <laughs> yeah. So deciding, you know, learning, learning what works for you and learning how to say no is a really important part of being in business. So Truster Taylor, you're located on Broadway. Um, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, what is the business? What services do you offer? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's on Broadway. It's right across the street from Taco Bell. Most people know where that is. Um, <laughs> But I basically offer a range of alterations on both men, men's and women's clothing. Um, basic things like hems, sewing on buttons, um, repairs on denim and other holes and fabrics. Um, I do work on suits, shortening sleeves, taking in the waist and seat on pants, 
replacing zippers on pants and coats and a number of other things. I do some work on social wear, like bridesmaids dresses, um, tuxedos, that sort of thing. The only things that I don't do, I don't do bridal and I don't do custom work like stuff from scratch, unless it's like a pillow or something simple like that. But a lot of those things are so time consuming that I just, there's so much other work I have to do that I can't really devote the time to those things that they require. So I usually refer them on to other people that specialize in that. And there's a number of people not just for that do that sort of thing. So yeah, I also do some contract work for some of the men's stores in town. Um, so that kind of helps to, um, not so much anymore because my business has changed a lot and I haven't had as much time to devote to that, but um, it's nice sometimes during the slower parts of the year to fill in some of the gaps with work that comes from the stores. So, mm-hmm. And you said Truster Taylor has been around for about three years. So why, yeah. why did you decide to do this on your, to open up your own business? Why, why do that instead of work for someone else here in town? Sure. Um, well, I moved here in August of 2016. And before I moved here, I sort of met with a number of business owners to see if they would hire me. Um, Cause I had always thought about opening my own business, but I didn't want to jump straight into that moving here. It's a move town. You want to get time to get established and figure things out. Um, so there were a couple of people that I worked with, um, but working for someone else, especially in this field, you don't make as much money nearly as close as you would if you did it on your own. Um, so I was really fortunate to get um, hooked up with a couple of people that it, um, introduced me to some other people and made some really awesome connections. So I was really thankful for that. But it, I was here, you know, a couple of months and I was like, so we had to make a change here. So I ended up just searching on Craigslist. I would search randomly and I found the space that I'm in currently on Broadway um, and didn't intend to make a move that fast. So that was probably about December. So it was like, it was four months or so. Um, looked at it, it was like, this could be perfect. So, you know, I just decided to jump for it and go, go ahead with it. Um, so yeah, beginning of January, so January 2nd, 2017 is when I opened. I worked out of my home for a couple in between those months. So I had some customers that came to my house and that is its own challenges as well. It's good. always got to make sure things are clean and, you know, the cat's put away and <laughs> make sure things stay separate. So um, it was a little bit scary to jump into it that quickly, but it was also relief because it sort of, you know, legitimized things and allowed me to expand further than I would have um, feeling a little more limited in, in the house. So I think it worked out really well. <laughs> you thought it was really worth the leap to go from, you know, from working out of your house to working in a retail, in a, in a shop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doing some work for the stores that I work for helped to sort of keep that stable uh, business line uh, before, while I was building up my own customer base. So um, while it was a little bit nerve wracking, it was like, well, I'm at the pay rent every month. But um, shortly after, you know, January and February is generally the slow time of year for tailoring. Um, it's when the spring, it really starts to pick up. So for those first couple months, it was nice to have it a little bit slower because you dip your toes in it, sort of figure out the routine. And then when spring hits, when prom hits, then it's like hitting our ground run and then you're busy till November. So, you know, for even the first year, it was just like gangbusters. So it's one of these 
it's one of these businesses that is kind of, you know, economy recession proofs. So like no matter how things are doing, you know, if you do your job well, you'll succeed. But, but it's not without a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you talk a little about, you know, like you said, you started this out three years ago. The first year was like gangbusters. You know, how did you kind of manage that first year? Did you bring, um, what knowledge did you bring from prior experiences into this? And what did you learn as you were going through that first year? And how did you learn, you know, those skills to run a business? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, well, <laughs> I worked side by side with, um, my, I guess you could call her my mentor. Her name is Darlene Shell. She owns, she just retired, Altered States Alterations in Madison. Um, and working side by side with her for eight and a half years, I learned a lot about the business, what works, what didn't work. Um, she was an extremely hard worker and was really an awesome um, inspiration on being a business person and what you need to input into the business for it to be successful. She worked a lot of hours, and that's one thing that watching her work, uh, I didn't want to work as crazy as she did. Like, she would work, like, 80 hours a week sometimes, which, you know, good for you if that's what you'd like to do. But, you know, I kind of was – wanted to strike more of a healthy, healthier balance. Um, so, so I learned a lot about how to work with customers and obviously, you know, do the work and – I learned a lot from her, basically all the aspects of the business. Um, so I kind of just applied a lot of those same principles when I transitioned to my own, but with a few tweaks. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned and being so busy so quickly, was pre prior to October 2018, I was a drop-in business where anybody could come in anytime I had my hours. Um, and it got to the point where it was just unmanageable. Sometimes I'd have a line of people out the door and I just couldn't keep up. So that's when I switched over to appointment only. Um, so I have an online appointment system where people can go online and fill it out themselves and shows them the schedule so that I don't have to take the time to do that. Uh, but it still meters the work that's coming in and <laughs> allows me to keep breaks in there to go to the bathroom and eat lunch. And if I need to go to the doctor or the dentist, I can take that break during the day because before I had to be here the whole time I was open and um, having the appointment system has given me a lot of flexibility which is awesome so yeah um, learned a lot about that and also just standing your ground with people sometimes people want to pay less than what you're asking or they want it quicker than what your usual turnaround time is um, and you know you want to help people you feel bad for people sometimes but it gets to a point where, you know, you just got to stand your crown. And then you, when you, when you cave to people, then you feel bad and you're mad at yourself. And so I really learned to uh, be polite, but firm with people. And that's been really helpful for my mental health and, uh, and just um, trying to be fair for everybody. Yeah, I think that's a pretty challenging thing to navigate. And it takes a lot of us a really long time to figure out. That. <laughs> yeah, not without, you know, months of therapy trying to figure all that stuff out. But yeah, uh, yeah, customer service, it's a hard thing. And, you know, pleasing everybody, but, you know, having expectations that are manageable on like all sides. Yeah, I would say like 50% of what I do is checking people's expectations, and, you know. It's like, you know, that's not how this 
that's not how this goes. And once you get people, you know, a lot of times too, people have been going to another tailor who does things completely different, which is fine. There's a lot of way to do things. But a lot of times it's not the right way or, you know, they cut corners, which allows them to cut costs. And I don't do things that way. So when people come in here and they're like, oh, I need to do what this is like, no, no, I don't do that. Do it that way. And sort of, like I said, being polite, but being firm and saying, you know, if you'd like me to do this, this is how I'm going to do it. But you don't have to have me do it if you don't want to. Just learning how to be patient with people. But a lot of times you just want to like take them by the shoulders and shake them very hard. And like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> But that's part of business, you know. Oh. Part of business, navigating the relationships with everybody, right? <laughs> um, and some people are super great. I have a lot of regular customers that are really awesome, and they know how this is supposed to work. So when they come in, we're just like, "Hey, what's going on?" We catch up. But so yeah, some of the some people just have a different idea of how things are supposed to work, and trying to and reeducate them is sometimes a struggle. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about you wearing a new hat now with video producer and you've created and launched your own tailor it yourself video tutorials um, recently. So can you talk a little bit about what these are um, and what need you saw for this type of education? Yeah. Um, so I, um, the videos, the series is called tailor it yourself sort of a play on DIY, but TIY because it's tailoring. Um, I wanted a way to share the information that I have without having to repeat myself a million times. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, part of it was also a way that in addition to using it as a way to get passive income and share this now with people who want to attempt to do things on their own, um, it could potentially be used as a training tool for someone that maybe in the future would hire um, use this as a way to pass that knowledge along um, and get them introduced with introduced to the material without having to spend the time to stop doing work in my production. <laughs> um, but yeah, a big part of that was to be able to, because um, like I said, this is sort of a dying art. It's a way to share that knowledge with people, not just in Rochester, because right now I'm sort of limited to who's in this city or in this county in this specific geographic location. Um, and the video series allows me to share with anybody that you know, has an internet connection and can speak English. So um, I really just thought it would be a cool way to put what I know out there and um, potentially make some passive income in addition to that. So. So what was the experience like recording this, um, you know, creating something, something new? So what was that experience like um, to put these videos out there? And what does it feel like now that, you know, you started this and people can consume them? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, overall, the experience was a, um, high, high, a lot of highs and lows, um, a lot of frustrating moments where you forget, you know, to record or because I record this dual camera. So there's an overhead shot and then a shot on me when I'm sort of explaining things. Sometimes but one of the cameras would be rolling or wouldn't have my mic plugged in or the battery would die in the middle of recording or there's a, a truck leaving Taco Bell across the street that's just like, so I have to like stop what I'm doing, wait, and then going through that and editing out all those extra sounds. Um, I'm really good at editing now. <laughs> but um, yeah, now that it's out, 
I feel a little apprehensive just because I'm such a perfectionist about things that, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but I just accept that it's okay. You can put it out there. Um, so I'm always leery of criticism, <laughs> but you know, without that, we don't learn and grow. Um, so the feedback overall has been really positive and great. Um, so I, I feel better about that. You know, that first moment where you hit send or launch, you know, um, you feel a little apprehensive, but it's also exciting because you, I put seven months of work into this, like swearing and sweating and re-editing things and refilming things. And, um, it feels good. Relieve it, relieving for, you know, have that big first bit over with, uh, but also exciting for what it could bring. You never know. So, um, yeah, it's early days yet. We'll see how it goes. I'm right now I'm working on SEO optimization um, so that people who I haven't directly sent it to can find out about the series, but that's another, that's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> yeah. So your first two um, that are out are small alterations and repairs and how to alter genes, which I feel like everyone's going to be altering their genes after quarantine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so where where can people find the videos? Yeah, so the website is tailorityourself.com. Um, you can also find snippets of it and links to our website. Um, Instagram is at tailorityourself. Facebook, if you search tailorityourself. Um, or you could Facebook look for Trust Your Tailor and that's sort of linked to, to the Tailor It Yourself page through that. Uh, but yeah, some of them um, are for free and the ones that are at no charge are also up on YouTube. So you could um, search Tailor It Yourself through YouTube. We have a, I have a URL, but it's not a, a customized URL. They only let me have a generic one because I don't have many views yet. Um, so yeah, if you Google that, you should be able to find it. There's also links to all this um, on the Tailor It Yourself um, website. There's an about page where there's a blurb about me and there's little icons that you can click that link to all those different accounts. Um, but yeah, other than... The ones that are up on YouTube, there's also uh, videos that have paid content. Um, so there's maybe about 10 videos showing small alterations and repairs, how to fix holes, how to remove buzz from a garment. That's one of the free ones. Um, how to sew on a snap, um, how to replace snaps on a jacket, that sort of thing. And then the jeans category has how to do hems, how to take in the waist, how to taper the legs. And then there's a couple of different ways how to do hems depending on the look that you want at the end. Um, but each video lesson, I guess, comes with the in-depth video, uh, a downloadable PDF with written instructions and detailed pictures. And I also have a recommended tools list, which is um, basically a, a clickable Google doc that links to um, different sources where you can get the tools that I recommend. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a package deal. Um, and the free ones, you can also um, get access to the PDF and the tools list. You just have to sign up for an account through the website. No, I think this is very cool. And I think, you know, there's so much content out there now that it's so important to have content like yours that's like vetted and, you know, it's professionally, it's made from a professional, you know, <laughs> and you're getting like good content and, and content that you can execute on. And I love the PDF part because, you know, it's nice to have something in your hand that you can kind of follow along to. 
Exactly. So everybody learns in a different way. So, you know, you can see the, see the operation in action with the video and you're thinking about it. And I don't know if that makes sense to me, but if you can read the written instructions and sort of marinate on that a little bit, sometimes it becomes a little bit clear on what you're supposed to do because I've been doing this for over 13 years. So for me, as this is like second nature, I could do it in my sleep, but there's so many people that aren't inclined to sew or do this sort of thing. Um, like my boyfriend, I had him read the PDFs and edit them just for grammar. And he, some of them, he's like, I, I don't know, this seems weird. He's like, maybe I need to watch the video. Because not everybody is inclined to think that way. So I hope with the video and the PDF in combination that it becomes clear enough what people need to do. But sometimes it yeah. just takes practice. That's a good point, though, that sometimes like when you're not that had to be one of the more tricky parts is when you are in it every day, it's kind of hard to take that step back and explain things like if you were, as if you were doing this the first time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this process, you know, and I started out by writing scripts and sort of starting from the very beginning, like, all right, well, how do I make this the most uh, simplistic way to do this, but not making it so long that it takes forever. Um, I was I had to think back, a lot to when I first started tailoring and what were the challenges for me and the things that I didn't understand. Um, Cause yeah, it's easy to people, people still, you know, don't know how to sew on a button. And for me, it's like, oh, come on, that's like the easiest thing. But that's the video that people have commented on the most so far. It's like, I didn't even know how to sew on a button. I was like, all right, well maybe you could try something a little more advanced. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> trying to just like get back to basics so that, um, you know, you can maintain your wardrobe on your own. Um, but it's not also not everyone. There's still some people out there that are not going to take the time to do it. It's like, I don't care. I'm going to pay a professional to do it. Right. But I, you know, some people want to try things on their own. They want to save on cost, or they just want the aspect of having done it themselves um, or learning to do it. Cause maybe they want to start a business doing that. Who knows? It's kind of a mix of an audience there, but um, I felt that getting the information out there was the best way to start and figure out what I need to do. It's kind of an experiment. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's interesting when you said in the beginning, tailoring is something that's really recession proof. And I feel like now maybe we're moving away from like this throwaway culture of like clothing that's not like high quality and we're keeping things longer. Are you seeing that? Like people coming in to get more you know, alterations trying to buy higher quality and like keeping it longer? Or is that just in my head? <laughs> no, that's definitely been a trend for the last few years now. Um, I feel like, especially within the last, you know, five years, it's really sort of um, taken hold. People are buying things from thrift stores and having them altered. So it might be the same cost as buying a new garment, but it is something that, you know, more environmentally friendly um, that you've saved a garment from, you know, going into a landfill, but we have it altered and then it fits you. So it might be the same price, but it's a garment that actually fits you and that you're going to wear. Um, and I've seen people who wouldn't maybe normally buy a higher end garments going through Poshmark or some of those websites that have brand name clothing that are been gently used and are still in good condition. Um, and then they'll just sort of tweak it so that it fits them a little bit better. So they're, they're still maintaining that sort of luxury aspect, I guess. Um, but just trying to be a little more 
um, cost conscious and um, environmentally conscious. And that's kind of a cool way to do it. Um, so into things these days, like I read an article a few months ago about, I think it, I believe it was in Italy somewhere that they just like unravel like clothing and then try and ravel, you know, try and repurpose um, the threads and yeah. like clothing just doesn't just like something happens or like you said, either goes into a landfill or someone's like pulling it apart to repurpose it. So, yeah. That, and that, that's a big part of, you know, I'll, you pointed out that I run Ritz crafters. It's a indie craft show. That was, I started in Madison and I did a show in Rochester a year and a half ago. Um, but uh, a lot of people, you know, that's a part of big part of, the revolution of Etsy and just craft in general is that people are repurposing materials um, to make other things. Like uh, one of the vendors that was at Ritz Crafters, um, she's called Surface Works. Um, she takes t-shirts and sort of, because um, you can sort of rip the fabric and she rips it in one long strand, which then she also, when you pull it, it makes it even smaller. And then she uses that to crochet into rugs and other little, home goods. Um, so yeah, it's besides, you know, actually just reusing clothes and altering them to fit you or changing them and sewing them into another garment, you can use the clothes as raw materials. And I think um, that's a really cool way to be resourceful as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be remiss to not talk about COVID-19 in this this podcast, you know, something <laughs> to talk about anymore, but I think, you know, it's important. So we're recording this in mid-May, but can you talk about, you know, how has COVID-19 impacted your business, you know, from March until now? Um, what has been happening with you? Sure. Um, well, since the 27th of March, I've not been open. Uh, my shop hasn't been open for appointments. Um, I've had a Dropbox I installed outside, a secure Dropbox for people to uh, drop off and pick up items that don't require fitting. So things that are pre-marked and measured, like they know that their inseam is on their pants. Or I had um, someone drop off some baseball jackets that they wanted a bunch of patches put on, which is cool. Um, so I've had been able to do a little bit of business, but it's nowhere near uh, what it is. April is probably my busiest month of the year with the spring wardrobe switchover is prom and start of wedding season. And it's just, it's maybe like a 15th of what I normally do, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, I've been fortunate in that my business has been steady for over three years that I have reserves and other sources that um, I'm able to get by. But the closure has also allowed me to basically full-time finish editing the video series. I don't know when I would have released that had the pandemic shut, not shut down the business. Um, Cause basically from the, from the beginning of April to last week uh, when I launched, I just full-time was just here working away on it. So I couldn't imagine that uh, it, it would have probably been in the fall before I finally got to it, knowing that I would have been approaching my busy time. Um, but yeah, we just got word yesterday that stay-at-home order has been lifted. Now there's, I think it's Stay Safe Minnesota order. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'll be able to reopen. But I think because prom isn't happening, weddings aren't really happening as much. People are working from home. They don't need as much business attire. I think it'll be down. Um, but, you know, just 
got to roll with it and do what I can and be safe. Yeah. I'm, I've been making masks during the, I've also been making masks during the closure, which I've been donating to OMC and anybody that's um, requested one. And I've been mailing them to family and friends back home in Wisconsin as well. Um, But I will be requiring anybody that comes into the shop to be wearing a mask, which I will provide them if they don't have one. So um, I feel like um, because I have the skill set to make the masks, um, I should do it, but as a business uh, decision, it's terrible because they're very time-consuming and <laughs> you don't make a lot of money on them. So, right, yeah, yeah. I think we all need to, yeah, focus on kind of maintaining our business and making sure it survives. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. Um, have you felt? Well, it sounds like this time is really useful to get out the videos, but have there been anything else that you kind of had to modify or innovate on during this time that you feel you might incorporate into your business model moving forward? Hmm. Well, I'll keep the Dropbox for sure, because that's been really convenient for people. Um, people that aren't comfortable, you know, having person to person contact, but uh, sometimes they can't always get here during my hours. And obviously, you know, not all these people's business hours are convenient for everyone. I would live, have to live here be open 24 hours for it to be totally convenient, which is not going to happen. Um, so the box allows for that. And again, it's limited on what could be put in there and can't put long dresses or things that are real big. Um, but yeah, it, it will allow people a little bit more convenience. Um, as far as other things, I mean, this business is pretty straightforward. So I guess going forward, maybe changing my schedule a little bit to allow more room in between appointments so that I have time to clean everything. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll we'll have to play that by ear. Every day things will change. So yes, <laughs> but it's a good thing that you know we that there'll be more flexibility to operate safely now moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing that I'm in this weird position between, um, you know, salons where they have close contact with people. I have close contact with people as well, but it's not for that long. You know, working him takes like two minutes and then you're in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being smart. A lot of people are not being smart. It's common sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just being safe and smart. And obviously um, people aren't if they're not comfortable coming in, I totally understand that, but I will try to be as accommodating as I can um, to request that people have and do what I can. (laughs) Well, I have some final questions here as we wrap up um, that I've been asking everybody. (laughs) So my first question for you is what are you reading or listening to right now? Oh, um, I don't really read a whole lot because I'm always doing things with my hands and moving around uh but I listen to a lot a lot of podcasts um I listen to too many political podcasts so like during this time they've all kind of repeated themselves about coronavirus and all that so I try to cut back on that but um yeah there's just a number of comedy podcasts where people are just chatting 
just like friends hanging out. And because I work by myself in the shop, I don't really have coworkers. So <laughs> I like to listen to a lot of those conversational podcasts because um, it makes me feel like I have coworkers. It's maybe not the most um, fruitful conversation and constructive. You know, I listen to plenty of things that I learn stuff, but I find the most comforting ones are the podcasts that are conversational that I've listened to for a couple of years and you get excited when there's a new episode out. It's like, oh, check in my friends, see how they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have that balance too. And that's like a huge thing. I listen to a lot of those too. And it's like, I don't know, it's kind of refreshing too that like life still goes on. People are still doing normal things. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. It's just to, how things are reflected in their lives as, my, as well as mine. So we're like, huh, why not so different? You know, they're like famous comedians and stuff like that. So um, it's just uh it's kind of cool. It keeps everybody connected a little bit. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite spot to be at in Rochester? Oh, man. I should have prepared an answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it depends on the context. Hmm. Where's your favorite place to be outside since we have nice weather? <laughs> I guess my house. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's not a good answer. Um, okay, I'll give you a better one. I'm going to, let's see, let's see. It's just weird because everything's closed right now. Yeah. Um, I can't give you a good answer right now. <laughs> I'm <okay>. sorry. <laughs> that is totally okay. I've been spending so much time at home. Uh, one of the big projects we work on is fixing our deck. There's a lot of rotten boards on there, so... The, this last two weeks with this downtown fixing boards and painting and I don't know just listening to podcasts and doing that sort of kind of mindless work is really therapeutic for me um so just being outside in general we walk around the neighborhood a lot which is fun sometimes we'll get in the car and drive through a different neighborhood like we went over by Pill Hill and there's some really cool houses and we dream about oh it's like oh we lived over here this would be so <laughs> that would be really expensive but um yeah, uh, it's fun to just kind of visit different neighborhoods of Rochester. And I guess I've been here a couple of years, but I still have trouble getting around sometimes. I don't know where everything is. Um, no, and there's a lot of places, like, if you didn't have a reason to go into that neighborhood, you wouldn't be there. You know, you'd never see it. Yeah, and it was funny when we were over by Phil Hill, I saw one of my customers running, and I was like, hey, how's it going? I don't think he recognized me. He's had sunglasses on, so I sent him an email later. He's like, I thought that was you. He's like, over here. I was like, mm, no. I wish I did, but oh. no, there's some really cool old um, houses with really interesting architecture. We like, yeah, to, we like to look at different architecture. <laughs> it's just like a really nerdy thing to do. I totally get like being at home is like especially during summer I love being at home because I the same thing we finally replaced our deck because I fell through it oh <laughs> it's not like off the ground or anything but like I, we were trying to preserve it we painted it and it was just it hadn't been taken care of and then last summer I fell through it so I'm like oh, well I guess it's time to <laughs> to replace yeah. it you replace know it. <laughs> When you're, when you're like growing up and people tell you about life, they do not tell you how much deck maintenance is involved in adult life. It is ridiculous. Every year it's just like, come on. It's like, yep. well, might as well bite the bullet and get a new deck. But by that point we've replaced everything. So. Yeah. 
this summer will be the front deck as soon as as soon as we order it yeah it's pretty bad and it has like a railing and when we first moved in three years ago our friends leaned on the railing and almost went through it so so yeah no one tells you about the rot that will happen to your house (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so my last question for you um has there been or what is a person organization or resource in rochester that you feel has been um important for your journey um with trester taylor um i would guess i would say most recently the chamber of commerce in rochester has been really awesome um they have been through this whole closure process have been putting on a number of webinars to help people figure out PPP, um, what to do with their business. I just attended one earlier this week about steps for reopening your business and what you need to do to be safe and be responsible. And that's been a really awesome um, knowledge base that I wouldn't have otherwise looked into. Um, And they're also really great at, there's supposed to be a huge construction project that's planned on Broadway that was supposed to start last year, but it's been delayed because there's been issues with the properties, uh, tax assessments and all that good stuff. Um, They have been really good at notifying people in your city council meetings and when you have to send in letters of, you know, dispute by and that sort of thing. Um, And they also helped me with my, I had a PPP application into the bank that ended up having an error on it and wasn't able to get it fixed. And they put me in contact with somebody at the SBA who was able to um, find somebody who could get things rolling again and get it corrected. So that's been really awesome. Um, so they've just been a really cool resource and directing, you know, if they don't have the answer, they know who to direct to. Um, so yeah, they're, I feel like they've done a a cool job to this whole thing. Well, I will end by asking you for any final thoughts and where is the best place for people to find your business? Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for taking the time to give an update. I've been on the podcast before for Ritz practice. So it was cool to kind of catch up. And that was over a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. A little little while ago, a little bit of a different uh, theme, but um, yeah, my business is Trester Taylor. You can find me at trestertaylor.com. That's T-R-E-S-T-E-R. A lot of times people spell it O-R, but it's trestertaylor.com. The video tutorial series is tailoryourself.com. Both the series and my business are on Facebook, Instagram, Yelp, Google, all that good stuff. (laughs) Well, thanks for taking time to do this today, talking via Zoom because we have to right now. (laughs) But yeah, I I appreciated your time and conversation today. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks so much to Danny for being on the podcast today. And you can find more about her on her Truster Taylor website or at Taylor It Yourself. And you can find links to those in our show notes. We're always looking for suggestions of great Rochester entrepreneurs and small business owners to have on the podcast. So if you have a suggestion, let us know. Send us an email at rochesterrising at gmail.com. We're also always looking for sponsors for our podcast. So if this is a mission that your business wants to support, let us know. Again, you can send us an email at rochesterrising at gmail.com or you can click on the sponsor link on our website.
That's a wrap for us on the podcast today. Be sure you subscribe wherever you listen into your podcast content so that you never miss a story of innovation and entrepreneurship coming out of Rochester, Minnesota. We'll be here next Wednesday with a brand new story.